I don't care who's first or who last, but I know that y'all just better rock this at the drop of a dime, baby. This is a Joe Rock Welcome to the Football Cypher here on Football Game Plan Podcast Network. I'm Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook, and you can follow me on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. I'm joined, as always, with my fellow analysts, Chris James, Gene Clemens, Teron Davenport, and Brandon Howard. You can follow Chris on Twitter at CJFlorida9, Gene at Gene Clemens, Teron at T Davenport underscore NFL, and Brandon at B Howard underscore 81. Make sure to subscribe to the football game plan podcast on itunes and leave us a five-star rating and that's where you can find all of our many different shows you can also find them archived on our website at footballgameplan.com slash podcast and finally don't forget to check out and subscribe to the football game plan network on youtube located at youtube.com slash football game plan if you're not familiar to what a rap cypher is it's a crowd that forms in freestyle raps as they pass the mic around well it's the same thing here except there won't be any rapping going on. We'll just pass the mic around and keep the football takes flowing. And we're kicking off our NFL team previews in the cypher. And in this episode, we took we take a look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and some of the biggest questions heading into the 2017 season. Gene, why don't you go ahead on and kick this one off? Um, yeah, I think when you're looking at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, obviously everything begins um, with Jameis Winston and his um, continued ascent up the quarterback ranks. I know that out in the world, um, many people are still not giving him the credit that they deserve, that he deserves when they rank them. I see him on um, being ranked as, as low as 15, 16. Um, my question is, is, does he have an opportunity this season to ascend to a top five level? I think he 100% has that opportunity. And we talked in another podcast about how it's good to finally see a quarterback that looks like him get some weapons. Well, I tell you what, they got weapons during this offseason. O.J. Howard is a top 15, top 10 player in my book. And then you add a deep threat like Deshaun Jackson. You get Chris Godwin. I, I think they added multiple options. And there's a lot of things at Jameis Winston's disposal. We'll just have to see how things work. As far as when uh, Doug Martin comes back, and obviously the running game is, is something that you want to get involved. But I, I think with what they did in the, the offseason, as far as the additions, he could definitely become a top five quarterback. And it's just another year for him to elevate his game overall. So I, I think for sure. I, I totally agree. Um, you know, you add Deshaun Jackson and the plays that he's been making during camp are just phenomenal so you know that the chemistry is already there you can tell that they've been working with each other almost as soon as you know Deshaun Jackson landed you know landed here in uh in Tampa so uh also you got OJ Howard his blocking is severely underrated so you're going to be able to keep that guy in you know no matter what's going on no matter the situation no matter the down and distance he's going to be in the game and he's such a weapon um you know, you can use them in, in a multitude of ways. You know, you can hit them down the seam. You also can, you know, do what the, the Chiefs have done uh, with, tra- with, with Kelsey uh, every now and then. And uh, that's uh, – they were able to kind of utilize him in the backfield and do some shovel passes and things like that. You can do that with O.J. Howard easily. 
Um, so that, there's so much ability uh, there in, in Tampa. And um, this offense is definitely going to have an explosion. I didn't even mention Mike Evans. So um, I, there's no – you shouldn't be able to stop this offense. There's going to be a ton uh, of ability to just keep this, the chains moving, um, you know, down and down and out. Down out. So uh, I, I like what they have in the fold there. I have not been doing this for 15 or 20 years like some people we know claim to have been doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've done it for about seven. And Jameis Winston is the number one quarterback I've ever scouted while I've done this. Combination and, and yeah, I have my personal bias. I'm not a, the biggest Florida State fan, but I give credit where it's due. He is ridiculously legit, and that's one of the better uh, college football teams in recent history, that 2013 edition. But anyway, back to Jameis having the opportunity to be top five. Absolutely. When you just look at the landscape of what the NFL is right now, you have your top two. It's going to be Rodgers and Brady. And then you have your guy that floats in the top five, Andrew Brees. But after that, who has actually taken the bull by the horns? You have Ben Roethlisberger, who doesn't know if he wants to retire tomorrow. You have Eli Manning, who is so inconsistent during the regular season, who should be submitted in that top five, but he throws weird picks to lose games. And then the other guy that people want to throw up there never is available to play in Andrew Luck. And you got Russell Wilson, who probably should garner that top five uh, position. So those would be my top four, Breeze, Brady, Rogers, uh, Wilson. And then, yeah, I think that, that this young man, Jameis Winston, has the great opportunity to do it. I think he's 23 or 24 years old. The kid is ascending. He finally has weapons, and they're letting him take control of this offense. And with Doug Martin being suspended, this is the perfect time for him to show exactly what he is, the most talented young man I've ever scouted at the quarterback position. I absolutely think he can, and I think he can get right to that fifth spot uh, in this top five because you talked about Brady, Rodgers. I put Russell Wilson right there at number three, and you can you know, throw around Roethlisberger, Breeze, and, and Rivers around that top five or what have you. But I think Winston can be right there if he cuts down on the turnovers. If he gets back to what we saw him do as a redshirt freshman, 40 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, I believe, then yes, absolutely. But I think he has a chance to do that because – we talked about this ad nauseum um, throughout other podcasts about putting weapons around quarterbacks, and he has legit weapons everywhere, the receiving core. He has three strong tight ends, in my opinion. I'm counting Anthony O'Claire, uh, the undrafted free agent from Laval, which is up in Canada, as another option that they have at tight end. So not only do they have one, but they got two and three this year in, in the draft and also in undrafted free agency. So the weapons are there. Jameis pushes the ball down the field. And to be honest, Jameis be out there leading his ass off. So, you know, you have to like a quarterback that can do that. And now he's going to be able to put the ball in places where he probably shouldn't have done it last year. But this year he has guys that are not afraid to go up and come down with the football. Yes. And, and, and I think that for me, when I look at the quarterback position, you have two names that it's just stupid to even try to argue about. You've got, You've got Tom Brady, who many consider to be in the discussion of the GOAT and therefore is a top five quarterback right now because. And then you have Aaron Rodgers, who I'm pretty sure many of us think is the best quarterback in the game right now and probably has the best shot um, at being the greatest of all time if he continues to do what he's doing for however many more years he has left. After that, Russell Wilson to me is – is is solidly in there at third 
and then there's dudes. You want to say you want to say Breeze, okay. You want to say Roethlisberger, okay. You want to say Rivers, okay. You want to say Good Eli, okay. You want to throw in Matthew Stafford and say Matthew Stafford's coming. You want to talk about Carr, go right ahead. But at the end of the day, when you look at what Jameis Winston does, the type of respect that he commands from the people who are around him, the the he has that magnetism that that makes players want to do good things for him and then you add in and, and that's before you ever even add in the talent which is as as cj so eloquently put one of the best talents that we've ever seen it's amazing to me when you look at the bucks and how much better they were when they went no huddle or when they went tempo because who was actually calling the plays Jameis winston was because his offensive coordinator <clears throat> i mean his head coach uh, I mean, the guy who who ran out the other head coach and got him fired. Um, to me, he's only just okay as a play caller. So when they put it in the hands of Winston and they allow Winston to be the brain that he is as a quarterback, when they allow him to call a game like Drew Brees might be allowed to call a game, or like you know some of these other other guy that right, the, the the name just popped out of my head, but um, I'm Philip Rivers, excuse me. Phillip Rivers is allowed to call a game. He does great things. His turnovers are a product of when he does too much. Um, he has turnovers in bunches, as, as I've stated on another podcast. Um, he has a, a tendency to, when he throws two, two to become four. And if you look at his breakdown of interceptions, if you eliminate those couple of games where he's had three and four in one game, that's that that's the bulk of his interceptions. So if he's able to get that under control, which I fully believe he can, the sky's the limit for what he's going to do, and they gave him more weapons. This kid's going to have an awesome year. Um, I think that he has an opportunity to to ascend into that top level, and his contract's coming up. And I guarantee you that Bucks will not lowball him like Carolina was able to lowball Cam Newton. It won't happen. Yeah, well, all right, we're in the top five conversation. So let's extend it from the quarterback and take it to the offense overall. Is this offense a top five offense? Oof, that's a tough question there. Um, it, it's hard to, to look at, you know, too many offenses that, that have the weapons that the Buccaneers have. Uh, I, I'm glad to see James, James Winston get these type of guys at, and have these type of guys at his disposal now. But um, – I'm going to have to go ahead and say yes. Uh, it, it may take O.J. Howard a little bit of time to get acclimated to the NFL, um, but, I mean, his talent speaks for itself. And then you've got Deshaun Jackson on the outside there. Got Mike Evans, who compliments him extremely well. I mean, they complement one another. Just all work so well together. So if the play caller is anywhere near worth his thought, there, there's no reason why their production shouldn't be top five in the NFL. I mean, there's just too much talent. So we already discussed the quarterback having the opportunity to be top five this year. So check. We move on to the receiver position. Mike Evans is a fringe top five receiver in the NFL. You know, you put him at five, six, seven, whatever you want to. Deshaun Jackson as a number two receiver has to be in the top five. Maybe Emmanuel Sanders is a better number two receiver or Brandon Marshall, but there's not many or better. OJ Howard is not a real person. Period. We're not even going to get into the discussion. He might not have the impact statistically, but teams will learn to fear that guy because he's not a real human. And as far as the running back position, 
look, that might be the only bane, but they were effective running the ball last year, even without Doug Martin. Uh, Jacques Rogers did a pretty solid job, but that would be the only thing that holds them out of being a top five offense in the entire NFL. But they have the requisite parts to put up top five numbers and be in the conversation at least. And the offensive line is pretty solid. It's not great, but it's a solid offensive line. See, that that for me is what will hold them from being a top five offense. Um, potential, yeah, they, they could be there. I, I don't trust their running game. And it's hard for me to put them ahead of teams like Green Bay, even Detroit, uh, New England. Uh, you know, you look at maybe Oakland with, with the – my goodness, the weapons they, they have out there. So I think Tampa, until they find a running game, I, I think they're going to be top 10, but not top five. I, I can't put them there just yet. Well, I mean, I don't think they necessarily have to find a running game. I think that they have to um, employ a running game better than they did last year. Um, I think that it'll help that your tight end um, – is an actual is actually what a tight end is supposed to be. It, it's really easy to know that the Buccaneers are passing because Cameron Brait wasn't blocking a soul. When you see Luke Stocker in the game, you know, okay, here's the run. OJ Howard, which again I've said before on several different platforms, and I'll continue to say, is going to be even Austin Stefarian Jenkins could be. The difference is is that Austin Stefarian Jenkins was a guy who improved as a blocker in college, but was still kind of coming along. O.J. Howard's been mauling people in college for three years. going to maul people in the NFL because he's really good at blocking. And when you're really good at blocking and you're a cartoon character when it comes to your, your abilities as an offensive skill position, you're going to acclimate yourself easy because you're going to be wide open on play action. The reason why Gronkowski is so he the reason why he's so imposing is because he'll take your defensive end or your outside linebacker and he'll run him to the bus on a run play and then the next play he'll come out and run right past your safety on a you know for a deep ball and those are the exact same type of skills that OJ Howard has. That's before we start talking about Evans. That's without talking about Deshaun Jackson, who I would say is the clear-cut number one guy if he's the number two guy on your offense um, or in your passing. To, as, as a wide receiver, too, you don't get much better than Deshaun Jackson. Um, and to have that kind of talent mixed with some of those young guys that they've got coming along is it, going to be a very exciting offense. And so I believe that that passing game and what O.J. Howard's able to do is going to give them a dynamic that allows that running game to flourish. And because of that, they definitely have the opportunity to be a top five offense because teams like the Lions don't run the ball well. Yeah, I think that offense, man, when you look at Jameis Winston's ability and then you look at what Deshaun Jackson does as far as being able to stretch the field, you look at Mike Evans, a guy who's basically a Debo, you know, on the outside, and you could also work the middle of the field with him. They could attack on all levels because then you got O.J. Howard working the middle of the field on those intermediate routes. So I think that passing game is going to be next to impossible to stop. Uh, the running game is going to be interesting seeing how that progresses, like I said, once uh, Doug Martin comes back. I, I think it's it's hard to put them in the top five, but I think they're right there knocking on the door. 
They may not be a top five initially, but I could see them finishing in the top five towards the end of the season once, like I said, they get Martin back. Yeah, and um, a lot of you guys have already kind of alluded to it um, as far as the run game is concerned. And, um, you know, I have some a level of trepidation with, you know, just how productive they'll be in that area. Uh, do the Bucks have enough at the running back uh, position to make the playoffs? I say they have enough at the running back to make the playoffs. And I, I'm kind of avoiding the question <laughs> because the passing game will be good, especially the short passing game, good enough to supplement some of the run. And I will say this about Dirk Cotter. I'm not the biggest fan of Dirk Cotter and his play calling. He has a pure dedication to the run at points in time that don't even make, doesn't even make sense sometimes. So they will try and try and try to run the ball with Jock Rogers early on. McNichols may get some carries. Hopefully Charles Sims does not touch the ball as a running back. <laughs> um, and then if Doug Martin comes back, maybe uh, he'll be back to being 1400 yard Doug Martin. Uh, so I think they have enough to make the playoffs. Yeah, they have enough to make the playoffs. I mean, because Rodgers is a really good back. I like him. I'm interested to see what Blake Sims does this preseason. I think he can surprise some, and they're going to get Doug Martin back at some point in the season. And we've seen teams that don't necessarily run the ball get to the playoffs. Detroit got there last season um, and got there two seasons ago. So, yes, they have enough, but will it be enough to get them through the playoffs will be the – uh, probably a better question. Well, I think it's no doubt they have enough to get to the playoffs. I, I I'm not as I'm not as concerned with their running game um, as, as many people are. Um, I think that the offensive the improvements that they made in the offensive line come down to the adjustments that they made. Um, you know, moving Marpet to center. Many people thought coming out of college he should have been a center to start with. But they had a couple veteran guys there that kept getting hurt. And so now him moving to center, that's probably the position he's going to play for the rest of his for the rest of his NFL career. Um, and, and so if you get those other guys to continue to improve and and they they bolster that center position, the running game is going to be better. Um, Quiz Rogers is capable. Um, McNichols will see what he can do. For all of the for all of the flack that a dude like Charles Sims get, I mean, he still rushes the ball pretty decently when when the numbers when the numbers pan out. I don't like him running the ball. I love him catching the ball out of the backfield. But if he does happen to get some carries, more often than not, he he gets yardage. I don't know how, because he has terrible vision, but um, you know, the they have enough. And, and then when Doug Martin comes back, he's going to be motivated because he knows that this is his last opportunity before they boot him out of um, Tampa Bay. So he'll be motivated. The The receiving core is going to be great. The quarterback is going to be great. The defense is coming. They have a – I'm going to say something that's going to sound crazy. They have a linebacking core that looks eerily similar to the Derrick Brooks years at, at when he was with when he was with the Tampa Bay with, with Tampa Bay and they were doing their thing. As a matter of fact, I would actually say that they are probably more athletic now than they were when Brooks was on that um team back then, because they have three guys who can run. They don't have to substitute the dude out and bring an extra nickel in if they don't want to, because they've got 
two running backs who can run with a guy, a slot guy down the seam all day if they want to. I mean, two full, um, two linebackers, excuse me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this offense alone, you know, is enough to, to get them a, a – to win the division, uh, you know, in my book. I, I think they could they could win the division with what they have on offense. Defensively, you know, they are there. I, I want to see the further development of Vernon Hargreaves, so – I mean, I, I think their their ceiling is is winning in the division. Their floor, to me, is 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 a wild card spot. Yeah, um, yeah. Just to to finish up on uh, the running back position, what I was uh, saying there. I just I, I really am a big fan of Jaquiz Rogers. I don't believe he gets the, I guess, acclaim or the credit that he deserves as a running back because of his stature. You know, him being five seven, but I really think when he gets the opportunity, especially in this offense, I think the NFL is going to finally get a chance to see exactly what he's made of and what he can do. And um, I'm really hoping that he kind of takes a hold, a stranglehold of this opportunity. And who knows if, if Doug Martin really gets another chance because in this offense and the weapons that they have on the flanks, I think Jacquez Rogers has no choice but to shine. He's never been in a setup like this. And I think that he's going to get a, an outstanding opportunity to show people exactly what he's all about. And you make a very interesting point about Doug Martin because the team, even though they signed that five-year deal to him, uh, they have some out clauses, and they also it's a uh, not as detrimental as it seemed right. initially. And let's go ahead and be honest: I don't think that was Dirk Cotter's guy to start with. Right. So right. he brought in Jock Rogers for a reason, so he could end up being the guy going forward, at least in the for this season. Now. T, TD actually kind of touched on this, but my question, since we've talked about all the talent that they've accrued over the last season, what do you think the floor is for the, the Bucks this year and then the ceiling for the season? I think the floor is what we saw last year, uh, nine and seven. I think that's their floor. I think they're going to be a good team once again. They were good last year. I think the ceiling is maybe a 12-win team. I, I really do think they can get 12 wins. They had some close losses last year. Uh, protect the football in certain situations. They win those games, and I do believe um, they're in between that 9-7, and 12-4 and four range. I think they're going to be one of those consistently good teams as long as uh, James Winston is back there. You know, I agree with Embry. You know, the ceiling is definitely 12-plus wins for me. Um, I think the floor is dirt cut or fired. Um, I don't think that – I think that if they, if they don't make the playoffs this year, they need to seriously consider um, a, a new direction and at the head coach. Treat him like they treat the last head coach in there who got a raw deal. Um, Dirk Cutter to me, just he doesn't evoke anything that, that makes me go, man, I really want to – I really want to play for him. I really want to do something great for him. love what – Jameis Winston brings to the table. If the Buccaneers don't make the playoffs, a, a, a serious hot seat on um and, and where he stands. But I don't see that happening. I think that they're going to be a twelve a twelve win um season for real, possibly um thirteen. I think that's the that's the ceiling for them. Yeah, and you know, Brandon, I have to apologize. I didn't answer your question. I looked on the board and the ceiling and floor was highlighted, so I thought that was the question. But, I mean, I, I pretty much said what I said. You know, I, I think the, the ceiling for them is a, a 
a division title, you know, and, and hosting a playoff game, the floor is a wild card. But, Gene, you make a really good point because you look at what Dirk Cutter did to get um, Coach Lovey out of there and the, the progress that they made in, in that short period of time that Lovey Smith was the, the head coach, I think cannot go unrecognized if they continue to just taper off where Lovey Smith left off when he was fired. So by all means, Dirk Cutter, if for some reason they don't make the playoffs, he seriously needs to be, uh, you know, on the hot seat and if not fired, because here it is, he got, he weaseled his way into that position and got somebody out of there and never, you know, carried the team on from, from where it it was before he took over. Yeah. I agree with uh, everything you all are saying on Cutter. And um, I really think, uh, the ceiling for this team is, uh, you know, they'll, they'll making the playoffs um, is, is the ceiling. Winning the division, that's the ceiling in my opinion. Um, I don't know about, you know, necessarily what the overall record might be, but, you know, winning that division would certainly be the ceiling in my opinion. Um, now, as far as the floor is concerned, if, if they are anywhere near fourth, last in this division or third place in this division, that's that's – Definitely, Florin, with that talent on that roster, that's a disappointment, and somebody's going to be getting up out the paint. So, so somebody's got to lose their job at that point in time. But I just see too much talent for them not to uh, make the playoffs some way, somehow this year. I'll go on record, unless he gets caught in a sex scandal or something ridiculous, Dirk Cutter has a zero, a negative 4% chance of getting fired. Like, literally, we already know he has a 0% chance of getting fired. As far as the floor for this team, they have too much talent not to win seven games. And seven to nine sounds like an insult, but that's the floor, in my opinion, for a talented team that doesn't, if they don't finish out games, you know, there's a four game swing that happens in the NFL off of just stupidity or a bad play or a drop ball. So that's the floor to me. My ceiling is almost a hot take. I tweeted this out earlier in the month, uh, actually at the end of July. And I got a little flag from it. You know, I only think there's five teams that have a legitimate chance to win a Super Bowl. But if I had to pick a dark horse Super Bowl team, it is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I like the leader they have. He reminds me of the leaders that win Super Bowls, the Russell Wilsons and Tom Brady's of the world. I like the construction of the defense and how they've become pretty much fearsome on the front side. And I like what they have on the flanks. You don't want the problem of Mike Williams, I mean Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson coming at you with OJ Howard looking like a man child in the <laughs> middle of the field. The Bucks are built to be that team that if they catch fire, they could literally go to the Super Bowl and pull off a victory because of who they have under center and the, the pieces they've put around the young man. Yeah, we spent, I want to say probably a good 27 minutes talking about the offense. So I want to bring some defensive perspective on this uh, podcast because I think that's probably one of the more underrated elements of this entire Bucks turnaround is their defense. So what can we expect from the defense this upcoming season? Um, I think you can expect a really aggressive defense. Look at what they've done in Tampa Bay and how they've constructed this defense has lend itself to a lot of the – of the attributes of those great defenses from the past. Now, you may not have the dominance at as an outside pass rusher like 
had back back then, but you have at least um with 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 Ayers and Spence and those guys they have coming off the edge, Jacque Smith, excuse me, able to rush the passer as a whole, they're gonna give you a lot. You know what you're gonna get out of Jerry McCoy. He's he's solid. He gives you the same stuff every year. People can hate him all they want, but he's one of the best D tackles in the game. And, and people can be mad. Um, the Le, on Le, um, Levante David is one of the best weak side linebackers in the game. Quan Alexander, he's a top five middle linebacker. We'll see. You have some people like you know thinking Kendall Beckwith will probably end up in that position. On when it all when it's all said and done, but all I know is they're going to have three extremely athletic. Brent Grimes is solid. Hargraves is going to need to improve, but at worst, Hargraves is a nickel corner. You got Will Cox, um, um, that's that's there. You got Ryan Smith, Chris Conti, um, and the Tandy Man backfield, um, defensive backfield. This defense is really set up, um, to do some great things. Don't I'm sorry, I, I forgot about Justin Evans. Justin Evans there as well. And, and all of these guys really have makings of a great defense, one that's that can be opportunistic and one that can be really, really aggressive. Yeah, I mean, you look at this defense, there's there's a lot of speed all over the place, especially at the linebacker position. Gerald McCoy is obviously a mainstay. But, Gene, you mentioned Justin Evans, and I think putting Justin Evans in this defense, and I, I believe he will eventually take over for Chris Conti, and I, I think that's going to make that secondary all the better because now you have a guy not only in Hargreaves that, that could play the, the nickel bump inside, but Justin Evans could do that as well and excel. So I, I like the addition of him, and I think he just helps that secondary a lot. And Kendall Beckwith is, is another one. You know, once he gets healthy, I think he's definitely a factor for them, you know, alongside Quan Alexander. So I, I think they're in really good shape defensively. And you're going to see them be able to feast because I think this offense is going to put them in situations where they're going to be, you know, protecting leads. They're going to be ahead in the game, forcing teams to pass. So the addition of Evans making that secondary that much better, you know, allowing these guys up front, Noah Spence and, and Ayers to, to, to rush the passer, the, pin their ears back and just go get them, I think is, is definitely a good thing. So I, I expect a lot from this defense. I think they'll be in really good shape. Yeah, you all uh, touched on the addition of Evans. That was a guy I was going to talk about. Uh, I, I really like what he brings to the table. Uh, he gives them an element of athleticism. I thought that was missing in the deep third. Um, so, you know, he, he's he's the one I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, and, and hopefully he comes out on top there, um, you know, with, with one of the, the safety positions. And um, the linebacker position, they've got a bunch of guys that can just go. They see ball, go get ball. And uh, they're extremely athletic. Um, you've got, you know, Levante, uh, Levante David, you know, he, he's outstanding seeing the ball and, and making sure he goes and gets it. Uh, he's got great athleticism and, um, you know, the, the middle linebacker there, uh, that I'm a fan of. Uh, so, uh, Quan Alexander, you know, and he essentially, you know, really kind of came out of, of nowhere in a lot of people's eyes. I mean, he, he was a guy I liked in school, but, you know, you, you see these, you see these Louisiana or LSU linebackers uh, just getting drafted and, and making plays, whether they are late round draft picks, whether they're first round draft picks, once they get in the NFL, they're going to flourish. Um, and so I, I like what they're doing at the linebacker position there. Uh, and of course, up front, you know uh, what they're doing. So Gerald McCoy, you know, people are going to say what they're going to say about him, uh, but 
he's productive every single year. So I'm a fan of his, and I like what they've got on defense. Um, we'll see what happens with Hargraves. I, I think that when it's all said and done, he's going to be more of a nickel guy. But no matter what, you know, he's going to be on the field, and he's going to be productive. I, I'm a fan of his, and um, I don't think that the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did anything wrong by taking them where they took them in the draft. It's just a matter of seeing where he settles in for the rest of his career. That's, that's you know, what, what we'll have to see as we go along here. But I really like the defense. I really like the defense, and they're not going to be hamstrung by their defense in any way. So um, I think that that's why they'll end up a, uh, a playoff team because these are two sides of the ball that complement each other extremely well. I have a lot to unpack here. I'm going to go off the books for a second. It's funny that you said that about LSU. The guys from LSU end up looking better in the NFL than they did in college, and vice versa for Alabama. It seems like they look not as good in the NFL as they did in college, and that just goes straight to the coaching job that was done by uh, the gentleman who's still in Tuscaloosa and the one who's no longer in Bad Rouge. But anyway, going to this Bucks defense, I'm going to start with the level that I think might be the best in the NFL once everything's said and done, which is the linebacker level. Levante David, the first time I saw him in Nebraska, I thought he was – I was like, who is this cornerback flying up the field making tackles? He's aggressive because he wore number four in college and he was real thin. He has been a playmaker every time I've seen him on film, period. And he still is a playmaker. Quan Alexander, very similarly. At LSU, he didn't make a play every game, but he was in plays all the time. He always found the ball. And Kendall Beckwith, you know, I was – having a I might have been having brunch with a Bucks insider this past Sunday and I might have gotten word that Kendall Beckwith looks like he's back to full form. So that trio I, I would put as a rival for virtually anyone else in the league over the next several years because those guys are over talented. I like what Mike Smith did with the defensive uh line last year. Moved a lot of guys around. Gerald McCoy apparently is going to kick out the defensive end at times. Also, just to give different looks and a different feel, also be able to come on stunts from, uh, from that position. And then in the secondary, one of the things that they did really well, even with the lack of talent last year, was getting great play out of their safeties. Guys like Keith Tandy kind of revived their career last season making plays, and they just added to it by bringing in Wilcox, who's done a good job so far in camp, and then Justin Evans, who, if he can stay healthy, will be a great addition, especially functioning as a third safety, being able to come down and defend in the slot if necessary. And he does have some solid skills back there if he does play as the, the deep third free safety. I, I like this defense because it's active. They have a guy who could develop into a premier pass rusher, in my opinion, in Noah Spence. He just has to get his head on straight and really concern himself with football. And he could develop into that guy. I love what the Bucs have done uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Are they a top five defense? Not yet, but I think they're trending in the right direction. They just need a few more pieces to round things out. Another corner, uh, an, another edge rusher, and then I think things will, will look even better for this Bucks unit going forward. And it's definitely good enough to get them in the playoffs and make some noise once they get there. Yeah, while Chris was having brunch, I'm out here rotating tires on my jet. You know what I'm saying? So I'm looking at <laughs> This defense, and you guys already talked about it in, in ad nauseum, I think this defense is going to push into the top 10 category. I really like what they put to the table, uh, brought to the table. I'm a big fan of Stevie Tua Kolovatu. Uh, um, he was outstanding at the Senior Bowl uh, from USC. He graded out real high for me coming out of USC as well. 
Uh, we talked about Kendall Beckwith. I think Ryan Smith moving from corner to safety is going to have a breakout season. I know that was part of the plan when they drafted him out of North Carolina Central, um, but he can also be that matchup guy if need be. If there's a bigger wide receiver, they feel as though they got the matchup, they can throw him there while putting Justin Evans back deep. So I think that gives them a little bit of flexibility. I love the aggressiveness overall. So I think this defense will be will be the direct beneficiary of an offense that can put up points. Their defense, I think, will be active. They play, make plays in the ball. Brent Grimes does not get old at all. He still has the ball skills necessary. So I'm excited about this defense. I think they're going to be really good this year and one of the biggest stories of the NFL. So as we move around, I know Gene got the Bucs 16-0 playing Florida State in a championship game. So, But we still got to get your predictions on, on what's, what's going to happen this season. Gene, start off with you. Um, well, as I as – all right, I said, you know, I just I look at I look at with the with the Panthers. Um, I like the Bucks to finish second because I think Cam Newton is still going to be kryptonite for the Bucks. Yeah, well, look, I'm going to take this opportunity to once again shout out a PSAC player in Brent Grimes. <laughs> you know, I have to shout out the conference I came from. But anyhow, I, I got the the Bucks winning the division. I think they are the the best team in the division. So. That's my take, man. They got a guy who could ascend to a top five quarterback. They have an offense that's knocking on the door as far as a top five offense. The defense looks good. Sign me up for the NFC South Divisional Championship, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, and uh, I, I forgot to, uh, while we were talking about the defense, give uh, Mr. Brent Grimes a little bit of a shout out. I mean, the, like you said, Emory, the guy's ageless. I mean, every single year people expect a decline and it doesn't happen. Um, but I digress. I'll go ahead and uh, make the pick. I really think that they're going to finish second in this division. Um, I think that, you know, with what the Panthers have, there's just too much versatility for anybody to really truly match up with them. Uh, so I, I like what the Pan what the Buccaneers have on defense and offense, uh, but I just don't know if it's enough to win the division. But I do think they'll sneak into the playoffs some way, somehow. And I have the Bucs finishing first in the division. I think the Tampa Bay really and truly has the opportunity to take advantage of the situation that's in front of them. You have an Atlanta Falcons team that's reeling. You have a New Orleans team that's getting too old and doesn't have the explosive nature that we're used to. You have a Carolina team that I think they just, they're going to take time to get their sea legs to them. So Tampa has a real good chance of winning the division. That's why I'm finishing first. And like I said, bold predictions on this side. I have them beating the Patriots this year, and I think they're a good dark horse candidate to go all the way and win the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's going to be a really good season, I believe, for Tampa Bay. You guys already have my pick in the video above this podcast. So that's it for this episode. Hey, yo, Emory, shout out shout out to Miko Grimes, who we got out of here, for keeping um, Twitter live for everybody. <laughs> Just being real. Just being real. Frank Grimes, young. <laughs> she's she is keeping brent grimes viral i love it so i mean to miko keep doing your thing you know keep making sure that brent grimes stay young because he's got to stay on his toes you know what i'm saying i i love how you winning on on these people who are trying to sun you you know do your thing miko at the end of the day man miko she down there in tampa listen we be down there for the east west shrine game so open up that kitchen 
Let's get the steaks on the grill. Let's get the, the food rolling. Invite us over. We could do a live podcast right there at Miko's crib because she does keep it live on Twitter for everybody. You know, she keep can we get a football game plan exclusive with, with, with Miko Grimes? We should. We need to make a campaign to, to, to go exclusive with Miko Grimes football game plan. I mean, I'm not gonna put nobody on, on front street, but we do have, you know, the 2017 version of Johnny Gill on this on this podcast <laughs> that could make it happen. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, we just all jokes, man. But again, make sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a five star rating for Chris, Gene, Brandon, and Teron. I'm Emory Hunter Zara, the playbook, and this has been a football cipher on the Football Game Plan Podcast Network. <laughs> 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 <laughs>